You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway. Happy Easter. Welcome to Midway United Methodist Church. Will you please stand up and worship with us? He is risen! He is risen. 
please join me in the greeting. Christ is risen. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm Pastor Jenny. I want to welcome you to worship this morning, those of you in person as well as those who might be joining us online. We'd ask that each of you please uh, register your attendance. Uh, you may do so with a QR code. The easiest way is with our church app. Or if you're online, you can click the link available there. We, if you're a first-time guest, we extend a special welcome to you. Hope you'll come back next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday, we will have the men from No Longer Bound coming and sharing their testimonies. So let us now continue to worship our risen Savior. sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope no place to begin love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested my life was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given away. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, I'm a prisoner no more My shame was a ransom Faithfully Rejoice though heaven had lost. Then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. 
That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, oh your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your Now it's our time to, uh, to respond in worship with our offerings and tithes. And I'd like to invite you to, to, to come participate with, uh, with Jesus in this, uh, in this, in this uh, end of hour, right? So uh, I'd like to invite you to, to give. There's, uh, there are offering plates that are in the back of the church. If you can also, if you would uh, give uh, online through the app and also through the website. Thank you for your generosity. It's because of, uh, of your gifts and tithes that, uh, that we can make this, uh, we can make church uh, happen, right? And, and, and bless our community. So thank you so much for, for your gifts and tithes.
I'd like to invite the children to come forward for the children's time. Y'all come on down, okay? Good morning. Y'all come in close to me, okay? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Have y'all had a good Easter so far? Did, did the Easter egg hunt? Did some of y'all come yesterday? Yeah, it was fun, wasn't it? I'm, I'm really grateful y'all came and that we had so many people help with it that made it such a great day for y'all and for all the kids. Um, did y'all get an Easter basket this morning? Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Y'all got good manners. Wait, did you get any eggs in it? 18 eggs. That's a lot. That's a lot. Well, here's my special egg that I got. I haven't opened it yet. You want to see what's inside? Yeah. I do too. What do you think is inside? Huh? A toy? Candy. What? Candy? What? Yeah. What? Nothing. Oh, y'all have heard this before. <laughs> well, y'all were listening. Y'all were listening uh, on yesterday, right? What? What good is an Easter egg without anything in it? What? 
Oh, it's like the empty tomb. Was that what you were going to say, Charlie? Oh. Because Jesus rose from the tomb and he left the tomb empty. That's right. Why did Jesus rise from the dead? Why? why uh, I don't have it. Where's my. Oh, here it is. Okay. You have no idea? Yes, you do. Why did Jesus rise from the dead? What do you think? To save our sins. To save us from our sins and something else. Something else. Yeah. To be resurrected because he's a good person. To be to be resurrected. He's not only a good person, he he's awesome because he is God, right? So um, after you eat all your candy and take all your toys out of your empty eggs, you're going to still have your eggs, right? And they're all going to be empty, but they're going to remind you of what? Remind you of Jesus' empty tomb and how much God loves you that he raised Jesus from the dead. Did it? Okay. Well, let's pray, okay, if y'all pray after me. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for raising him from the dead so that we can know your love and be with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for coming up and being so good. Y'all can uh, go back to your seats with your parents, or they can go downstairs if they're preschool age, or that's where they came from, like your mohawk, man. I think it's most appropriate on this Easter Sunday that as you're able, will you please stand for the reading of the gospel. Hear now God's word to us this day. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, 
but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at, at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Throughout the season of Lent, we have looked at the crucifixion through the eyes of those who witnessed it firsthand. We've been on that hillside outside of Jerusalem as Jesus was crucified. We've been there along with the bystanders and scoffers, the two bandits who were crucified with him, the soldiers and the centurion, the beloved disciple and Jesus' mother, the women, and then finally Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who laid Jesus' body in the tomb. Now we return on this Easter morning to the tomb with those who first witnessed the resurrection. You know, eyewitnesses provide some of the most persuasive evidence when it comes to a court of law. Juries put a lot of stock in what eyewitnesses say if they seem to be credible. For a defendant, eyewitness testimony can mean the difference between being found guilty or innocent, or if it's a capital case, the difference between life and death. The thing about eyewitness testimony, though, is that it can be notoriously unreliable. This is especially true if someone is testifying to an event which was traumatic or one that took place some time ago. 
after all, it's difficult to remember details of an event during which we were under extreme stress, such as uh, when we're a victim of a crime. In addition, human memory is not like a video where we can uh, rewind it and replay it exactly as things happen. We tend to remember some things and forget other things. And the more time that has passed, the more we are apt to forget. So given the fallibility of eyewitness testimony, we shouldn't be so surprised that the four gospel writers present the events of that first Easter morning somewhat differently. They are writing their accounts of the resurrection anywhere from three to eight decades after the event. So a good bit of time has elapsed since Jesus walked out of that grave. In addition, the empty tomb was an, a traumatic event for those who were Jesus' first followers. Can you imagine? Put yourself in their shoes. Still in the throes and fog of grief is added the sudden upset of the body having gone missing. Grave robbery was a common occurrence in that day, so it's no wonder that Mary jumped to the conclusion that the body had been stolen. After all, isn't it a much more likely scenario than someone coming back to life? My friend Janet recently went to attend to the graves of her loved ones as, as she does with the changes of the seasons. Well, for Easter, she had made new flower arrangements, which she tenderly, carefully placed on her, the graves of her mother, her father, her brother, and her cousin. And after she arranged them, put them there, she stepped back to admire them. And when she did, her foot hit something on the ground. She looked down to find right in the middle of her burial spot next to her brothers a brand new grave marker of a stranger who died in 1928. Someone had stolen her grave. Can you imagine her surprise to find someone claiming to be buried where one day she is supposed to be laid to rest? She called the city. She called the funeral home. Everyone was befuddled. No one knows where it came from or who put it there. It's a great mystery. Another friend of Janet's told her she didn't know what she was so upset about. After all, she's so short, there's enough room for both of them there. <laughs> Imagine, though, showing up to the cemetery just a single day removed from the funeral of your loved one. You've been there. You go back to visit the grave and imagine finding that the body of your loved one isn't where they were laid to rest just the day before. Now that would be a real shocker. It's no wonder then 
given the time that has passed and the unexpected turn of events that the gospel writers have given people different people showing up at the tomb, reacting in different ways to what they see or don't see. A stone rolled away, a body missing, empty grave cloths in its place, a lone man in dazzling white, or was it an angel, or was it two angels? Matthew even adds the earth-shattering report of an earthquake, and soldiers who are on guard dropping like flies out of sheer fright. There is, though, one thing that all the Gospels are in agreement on, and that is that the women were the first to arrive at the tomb on that Easter morning, and that the women were the first to testify to Jesus' resurrection. Though the number and names of these women vary, all the Gospels agree that Mary Magdalene was there although only John has her arriving alone. Why alone, I wonder? You know, fresh grief, I think, tends to bring people together. You know, when we're grieving, we stick close to home and, and close to loved ones. Why alone? Mary's not going there to prepare the body for burial as the women did in, in other Gospels because here in John, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea prepared the body before they placed Jesus in the tomb. Maybe Mary's grief had kept her fitfully awake. You know how that is. She couldn't sleep. So instead of waiting until the others got up, she heads out to the tomb alone, hoping that being close to her Lord will bring her some solace. Upon arrival, though, she finds that the stone is rolled away. She's so alarmed, she, she doesn't even bother to look in. Instead, she draws the immediate conclusion that someone has taken the body, and she runs to tell Simon Peter and the beloved disciple who take off running back in the direction she came. The younger one arrives first, and he looks in, and then Peter, pulling up the rear, arrives gasping for breath and immediately goes in with the beloved disciple following him. They see the grave cloths and the head cloth rolled up in a place by itself. This evidence leads the beloved disciple to believe. To believe what isn't so clear. To believe that what Mary told them was true, that the body had been stolen, or believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. I tend to believe that it's the former, since the two disciples simply turn on their heels and without any fanfare, return to their homes. But Mary, she stays there, her feet firmly planted at the scene of the crime. She's beside herself, 
head spinning. What's she going to do now? There must be something she can do. All alone and overwhelmed by grief, the floodgates finally open. And Mary begins weeping. She cries like she has never cried before. Only now, with her eyes filled with tears, does she do what the other disciples did. She musters the courage to look inside the tomb. She sees something, but not the same thing that the disciples said, saw. She does not see burial cloths, and she does not see simply an empty spot where the body of Jesus used to be. But instead, she sees a couple of angels where Jesus' body was. Now, unlike most angels in scriptures, these two don't tell Mary not to be afraid, which would have been very helpful. Neither do they tell her good news of great joy. Again, would have been nice. Instead, as far as I'm concerned, they come across as the most unhelpful angels in the Bible. (laughs) For all they do is question her as to the reason for her tears. And as a woman, I can tell you, we don't like to be asked why we're crying when it's obvious why we're crying. (laughs) Oh, don't act like that's sexist to say that. You know it's true. That only tends to make us get even more upset. Why is she weeping? Of course she's weeping. Who wouldn't? Crucifixion, death, the finality of burial, and now to add insult to injury, all she has left of Jesus is gone. She, she can't even find comfort now in visiting his grave. She turns around, away from these heavenly interrogators, and comes face to face with none other than Jesus. She doesn't recognize him, though. Not that he doesn't look like himself, but more likely because she's so distraught. She wasn't expecting to see her master alive in the flesh. So She assumes he's the caretaker for who else would be around that, that early morning in the garden. Here, finally, is someone who might help her. Then Jesus repeats the same question the angels asked. Why are you weeping? Adding, who are you looking for? Why Jesus would ask her questions, he already knows the answer to. Only he knows. Instead of answering him, Mary begs, sir, If you took him, tell me where you put him so I can take care of him. Mary, he says. Mary. And with that one word, the cloud of confusion vanishes and she sees clearly through tear-stained eyes that it is Jesus speaking to her alive in the flesh. Didn't he once say that the good shepherd knows his sheep, that he calls his sheep by name and they recognize his voice? Mary knows it's Jesus because 
She recognizes his voice when he calls her. Rabuni, she cries, which really means more than teacher. It means great one. Jesus is much more than a teacher now, for what could be greater than rising from the dead? The relationship, though, will never be like it was before. Don't cling to me, Jesus cautions her, which might sound insensitive until he tells her why, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. See, they will be close again, closer than ever, but not until Jesus ascends to the Father and he sends the Holy Spirit in his place. Then he will be with his disciples forever, wherever they go. Then Mary, at the Lord's instructions, goes and testified to what she had seen and heard, telling the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Mary believed because Jesus appeared to her and called her by name. Thomas will only come to believe when he can put his fingers in Jesus' nail-scarred hands. Have you believed because you have seen me? Jesus will say to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. John's words, my friend, are directed as much to us as they are to Thomas. If you want evidence to prove Jesus rose from the dead, you aren't going to necessarily find the kind that will hold up in a court of law. Not even the Shroud of Turin proves Jesus is alive. That's not evidence that Jesus rose from the dead any more than an empty tomb is proof positive. Take it from a lawyer, if you will. Chuck Colson, he was special counsel to President Nixon when the house of cards that was the Watergate cover-up came tumbling down. Some of you may know that Colson became a Christian shortly before he went to prison. And when he was released, he founded a prison fellowship ministry. Well, he has this to say about resurrection. I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. One of my favorite writers is Eugene Peterson, and he wrote a little book entitled Witness to the Resurrection. After Peterson died in 2018, his son Eric wrote a foreword to the book as it was being re-released. 
in which he related the great gift of being with his father when he was dying. After Dr. Peterson was placed under hospice care, Eric summarized for his father the reality of his condition by telling him three things. One, you are deeply loved. Two, we are going to take good care of you. And three, the remainder of your life is likely going to be measured in days and weeks, no longer in months and years. Eric said that when he asked his dad how he felt about the prospect of dying, after a customary thoughtful pause, his dad said, I feel good about that. And indeed he did, recounts Eric. His remaining days were accompanied by an uncommon joy as he delighted in the visits with his family and friends. As he enjoyed a last supper of butter pecan ice cream. And as he interacted with people on the other side of the threshold between earth and heaven, who were, I am persuaded, preparing to welcome him into paradise. As a result, says Eric, I do now more than ever believe in the resurrection. His death, like his life, was a compelling witness to the resurrection to which he is now a full heir. My friends, I've been to Jerusalem. I've been in the garden tomb. Was that what convinced me that Jesus rose from the dead? Of course not. I believed in him many years before I ever made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. What convinced me that Jesus was alive and loose in the world was not an empty tomb, but the love and faith of those I've known who both walked the walk and talked the talk, those whose lives have been transformed by the power and presence of the risen Christ, so much so that the love and grace and integrity with which they live their lives day to day testifies to the risen Savior who they follow. As Frederick Buechner once said, what convinced people that Jesus had risen from the dead was not the absence of his corpse, but his living presence. And so it has been ever since. Standing in the sanctuary at the Bunkin Street Church, a boy asked an elder, how come our church has got all these plaques stuck everywhere on everything? On the window, on the pews, on, at the bottom of the pulpit, even on the piano. And the wise churchman answered, we've got these here plaques to remind young'uns like you, that you didn't think up Jesus on your own. Somebody had to tell you, and somebody had to show you. He's right. Somebody. Somebody had to tell the disciples. 
and somebody had to tell the next generation and the generation after that and so on and so on and so on until somebody told you and me. Now it's our turn to testify, my brothers and sisters, that Christ is risen and the power of his love is alive and loose in the world, transforming lives, repairing broken relationships, forgiving the unforgivable, redeeming the lost, overcoming evil with good, making a way where there seems to be no way. And yes, raising the dead to new life. So my brothers and sisters, as we leave this place on this Easter morning, let us go and bear witness to the living Christ. Let us testify to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Thanks be to God. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. As you prepare to receive communion this morning, I'd like to remind you this is an open table and you need not be a member of this church to participate. All that is needed is a repentant heart and a desire to lead a new life in Christ. Uh, we will be receiving for the very last time communion with sealed elements. We're going to look forward to the next time, right? You're like, finally, finally. <laughs> so, um, so if you will receive your elements and then you may go and, well, you can kneel between the lilies and pray or you can return to your seat and partake of them there. This is our Lord's table and he invites you to come.
became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself and carried the cross love so
Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, Jesus Messiah, Lord of all. Yes, thank you to the band and to the AV team. Yes, everybody. Yes, very much. And thank you for your presence here today. Go now as God's living witnesses to testify that Christ has been raised and that we are raised with him. And may God raise you from all that would entomb you. May Christ Jesus call you by name and go ahead of you. And may the Holy Spirit empower you to do God's will. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our hope is in you. Oh, our hope is in you. Oh, the glory to you, God, the light of the world. You've been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.